0: You are listening to episode 16 of the EU Startups Podcast. Today with Nico Vojsnik, the founder and CEO of TOA, one of Europe's coolest tech events, which pivoted to become an ad tech company. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the EU Startups Podcast. First of all, sorry for the radio silence and for not publishing new podcast episodes for several weeks. We've been quite busy with the organization of our recent online edition of the EU Startup Summit, and we also just launched a new B2B media and events brand that is focused on travel industry trends, innovation, and travel startups. If you are interested in those topics, please make sure to go to futuretravel.com and to sign up for our free weekly newsletter. But now, without further ado, let's jump right into our conversation with Nico. Today I'm excited to talk to Nico Wojcnik, the founder of TOA, which stands for Tech Open Air the communications agency Openers, the co-working company Ahoy Berlin, which eventually got acquired. Today, we'll be mainly talking about Toa, which started out as a conference and trade show business and turned into an EduTech company during the pandemic. Nico, thank you so much for taking the time and welcome to the EU Startups Podcast.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So to start off, um, for everyone who doesn't know yet what TOA is, could you give us a short introduction um, of how it all started?
1: Sure. So um, it started actually because we had a co-working business. uh, You mentioned it, Ahoy Berlin. um, Mm -hmm. And we wanted to fill that co-working space with members and with life and with companies. We didn't have any marketing budget. uh, So we started doing events um, just to get people into the space And it taught us, one, that, you know, it's fun doing uh, events and getting people together. Um, But it also showed us that actually the startup community was becoming more and more diverse. So Berlin's other communities started to take note of what was going on with the startup world. So, you know, academia, um, the media, um, politics, um, the creative industries, the music, the art scene. So all these other communities that we have in Berlin Um, They wanted to find out about what's going on in technology and in the startup life. And that's uh, when we said, you know what, let's uh, do an entire business out of this um, and let's make it bigger, not just confined to our actual co-working space. So we started renting um, a club actually back in the days, which was called Katerholtzik, which was a famous uh, techno club um, Mm -hmm. because we wanted to, you know, represent an event That wasn't only for the startup insiders, but for anybody who was interested in the space and who wanted to join the space. And we started that in 2012 with a crowdfunding campaign um, and it was 600 people that gathered and then fast forward to our last edition, 2019, was uh, roughly 20,000 attendees and uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know 100 plus exhibitors so there was a trade show we had multiple stages with different types of content streams so it became a full fledged conference But we call it a festival because it also had that character of satellite events that took place all across the city of Berlin where anybody Mm -hmm. could actually create their own event and become part of the wider festival. So it was a multi-day, four-day event uh, in the end in Berlin that uh, happened once a year. Mm -hmm. Perfect.
0: I've been there several times myself and and I always loved it. I'm I'm really missing this kind of events. Um, And uh, well, then... COVID-19 came along, right? Um, and uh, things had to change for tour. Um, how did um, the pandemic affect your business and um, what kind of changes did you do uh, t- since then?
1: Yeah, so it was, uh, you know, the unexpected variable. Um, you know, when you do a large-scale event or any event, uh, even if it's a small birthday party or dinner um, you know, you you think of all the variables of what could go wrong. You know, it could rain, it could be too hot, there could be lighting, there could be storm. We had it all at Tor, um, you know, where we had to evacuate because we had hail coming down from the sky. Um, mm-hmm. God behold, you could have a terrorist attack in in the city. Certainly, things that we often often thought about. You know, what happens if that happens mm-hmm. a day before? Uh, you know, your event two days before, a week, two weeks before. Um, at the day of the event, you know, all these type of variables that could really go wrong, you kind of sketch them out, but I never sketched out uh, what would we do if a pandemic hit and uh, kind of got mm-hmm. the entire world uh, to a brink and, uh, and with, you know, laws and legislation that would f- prohibit to actually do any type of um, event of our size. So it was a new situation for us as it was for so many other um, people and businesses out there. And uh, it hit our business tremendously, of course. Um, Basically, our core product um, fell away now for over a year. Um, Mm -hmm. So we had drastic decreases in our revenue. Um, And uh, yeah, we had to think about like, uh, what will the future of tour look like? Will it it be us just waiting it out until events are back allowed again? Um, Mm -hmm. Or will we actually create new products um, that meet the demands the needs of our um, attendees can we build something you know is our experience bound to being a physical event Or can we actually deliver the same type of value to our audience in other ways? And we started experimenting um, and we started experimenting with virtual conferences. That was kind of the, you know, one-to-one translation, like, okay, well, let's, you know, make a virtual conference. Um, We did over 30 events over the pandemic, some bigger, some smaller, Um, some were focused on inspiration. Others were focused on learning and doing like our skill exchange programs. Some were focused on meet and greet. So really the networking component where we would do Mm -hmm. meetups um, that were all taking place virtual. So we did a lot of experiments. um, And uh, we found out, you know, for our business that um, the engagement was actually very high. Um, of the audience, so people certainly liked these type of events. We also got very high net promoter score ratings. Um, in fact, the highest we ever gotten um, on some of our virtual gatherings. Um, but it was very hard for us to make a business out of this, in the sense that the um, you know sensitivity to price was very high online um, for people mm-hmm. to pay for a virtual experience, um, and a lot of our larger partners. Um, so, you know, what I mean is, you know, the uh, the end consumer, so our attendees, mm-hmm. um, the price sensitivity was very high. And on our partnership side, which is the second revenue stream typically for our business so you know, exhibitors, sponsors, large companies, you know, that want a presence at the festival. Um, they were often uh, in this position of we are going to wait until we know more about the pandemic at the moment. Or budgets are frozen, etc. So it was hard for us from a business perspective, but mm-hmm. we saw it was actually great from an experimental perspective. People mm-hmm. liked the events, and I thought, well, you know, that is already you know one very important criteria, of course, of any product. Um, so is there something where we can use the type of benefits that these virtual gatherings have over physical ones, but while at the same time also build something that has you know, a higher value proposition so that people are willing to pay for it. Mm -hmm. And that's when we started uh, pivoting into the professional education space and build cohort-based learning programs. Mm -hmm. And
0: that's now Tour Club, basically, right? Exactly. Exactly. Okay, and um, how is that going so far? Do you, Do you think this can be like uh, as big of a business, like uh, the the in person trade show business, or is it um, something that you need to start building up from the scratch and you basically start from from zero
1: again? Well, it's both. <laughs> it, mm-hmm. We have to build it from scratch, um, so it's it's not a direct substitution um it's you know t- typically education businesses take time to grow but i'm 100% convinced that it can be much bigger than our festival business ever was like the the um you know value proposition i think is clearly there um it actually gives more people access to the same type of learning previously mm-hmm. you know to go to a physical festival you need to have time you need to be able to fly to that country uh, you need hotel rooms Um, You may not want to go alone because, you know, traveling alone to a city like Berlin. I mean, there's so many things that kind of have to fall into place for somebody to make that journey to Berlin. And we had um, almost 60% of our attendees come from outside Berlin. Um, Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, online, everybody in the entire world with an internet connection and with the you know disposable income uh, to participate in online learning or invest into these online learning um, programs can participate so our pool mm-hmm. is much much bigger um, our cost structure is more attractive also um, mm-hmm. there's less you know uh, variables that are not under control like we talked about in the beginning um, mm-hmm. so i think it has a lot of attractive things and meanwhile it is you know the product is in essence, the value proposition is not so different um, because we still have the same mission of making people and organizations future-proof. So we still want to um, basically expose professionals to the latest technology trends, um, but also help them make career choices that will, you know, boost their career, um, to future-proof their skill set. Um, a recent study from uh, Deloitte said that, you know, at this stage we have to reskill. We need new skills in the professional tech environment every five years. That number is most likely going to shrink. Right? Um, technologies mm-hmm. are changing so much. The opportunities that it represents. Um, are, you know, unbound uh, and people will need to be exposed to that type of learning that other people have already done. So this is where we bring in experienced founders and really experts and leaders in their field Um, to Mm -hmm. do these online courses. But next to that, it is also building a community. So people will have access to a Slack community. um, And uh, it is very important to us that why, that's why it's also an application-based program where not everybody will be accepted, um, but where, you know, we make sure that there's a lot of peer-to-peer learning, that everybody who comes into the community actually adds value to the community. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really interesting, uh, you know, interesting proposal. And I think uh, looking at the professional education space and education in general, it is a massively big industry. Um, It is not very tech advanced. Um, There's a lot of things wrong with that traditional industry. Um, Mm -hmm. It's obviously, you know, very different from market to market, but I personally uh, started my career actually in education. I was uh, working three years at a company producing materials for teachers Um, Mm -hmm. Educational materials, um, still very offline, old school. Um, So it's always been a sector that fascinated me. um, And uh, I think it is one of the most important things that I can, you know, dedicate my time to, um, which is to help Mm -hmm. people um, really set themselves up for a good professional future.
0: Sounds exciting. Uh, Congratulations relations on uh, making this step and doing this pivot. Um, but uh, yes. let's, let's be honest, uh, if we return to the old normality, quote unquote, yep. um, will there be an in-person tour again or is this like a pivot to an online education company for good?
1: I think there I think there will be um i I think there um you know I have a feeling like it will be a complementary product to our online educational programs, so they mm-hmm. will be at the focus and center stage of our business um but I do think that you know people that may meet in a cohort um will also enjoy meeting in real life um mm-hmm. i I don't think you know that the business that we were on this path of building a large scale Um, you know, trade show ultimately, right? Most of Mm -hmm. our revenue was derived from partnerships, from sponsors, um, from Mm -hmm. exhibitors, basically. So similar to a traditional trade show where you sell, um, you know, square meters um, in the trade Mm -hmm. show hall. Um, That was the majority of our business. And um, I don't think we're going to go back to that. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe, you know, after the pandemic, you know, it will, everybody will want that again. Um, Mm. I certainly think for some years that transition will, Uh, you know, go from sort of, you know, pandemic to let's go all the way back exactly how we were because we kind of miss it so much. In certain Mm -hmm. businesses, I think you will see that type of going back, but I think the long-term trends, um, they are actually um, against that type of event experience. Um, I think of climate change, um, you know, carbon footprint, the consciousness that not only consumers have on that topic, but also increasingly companies Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, having these large trade show exhibition areas that are being built up for two days and, you know, um, lots of money spent and then often, you know, two days later, they're thrown away, they're taken down and, you know, it's all deassembled. I think, you know, that if we go back into that space and sure we will do some type of, um, you know, conference slash festival again, I think we have to be very mindful of what type of experience we're going to set out to build. And I want to um, build something then that can really last also over decades um, mm-hmm. and be, you know, at the top of its game, um, which I think tour in certain aspects was pre pandemic um, mm-hmm. and where we set new trends and, uh I don't exactly know what that will look like yet, to be honest. Um, I think mm-hmm. also we don't know what the pandemic will really look like once it has, or the post-pandemic worlds, uh, once once the pandemic has truly passed, if it ever truly passes. There's so mm-hmm. many, you know, unknowns still. Um, but in the kind of back of my head, I, I feel like events will, you know, have to concentrate on really building more intimate relationships and intimate experiences Um, And we Mm -hmm. certainly tried that with tour in the past. Also, I mean, we had, you know, meditation, we had hugging workshops, and we had a lot of things where we wanted to connect people on a more meaningful way, rather Mm -hmm. than having, um, you know, something that is purely transactional in nature, uh, where people Mm -hmm. only go to transact. Um, So it'll be interesting what we what we cook up. But yes, Short answer is, we will definitely come back with uh, events as soon as it's Mm -hmm. possible. Um, But uh, most likely, it's not going to look like the the way that our last editions looked like.
0: Cool. Yeah, well, a hugging workshop is definitely not possible online, right? So (laughs) for that, you have to meet in person. And now um, all those big trade shows um, like Mobile World Congress, um, Viva Technology, they all already starting to come back in person, right? At least they're playing. Um, Do you have the feeling that's kind of almost a move out of um, uh, being desperate to come back? Or do you think the timing is right um, to uh, meet in person again for some of those uh, large scale events?
1: I mean, that's a really good question. I, I can only answer it for myself. I, I really don't know, uh, you know, how to answer it for other uh, festivals or conferences. And mm-hmm. so much depends on, you know, the market that you operate in. Of course, also when it comes to the pandemic, right? But I personally, at this stage today, um, and now I have to time market because this may already be out of, um, you know, relevance in a week's time. But today, seventh of June, two thousand and twenty-one. Um, Mm -hmm. I personally would not feel comfortable um, planning a large scale, 20,000 people uh, conference or trade show business for this year, 2021. Mm -hmm. Um, So personally, I feel that the uncertainty around the mutants and the different strains that are looming um, is just still too high. Um, Even Mm -hmm. though we are getting, you know, a a lot of progress on the vaccination front um and I am in in the US at the moment and I see, you know, how everything is opening up again and restaurants, et cetera. But I I don't I still don't, you know, think that we are at a stage where I can guarantee to myself, to my team, to my vendors, to my partners, to my attendees that in three months' time things will only be better and not maybe worse than they are today. Mm-hmm.
0: Understood. Okay, well, you are one of the best connected um, people in the Berlin startup ecosystem, I would say. Um, And you've been seeing that ecosystem grow over the years. Um, And if we think about the importance of um, startup and tech events and their impact on the startup ecosystem, um, how fundamental would you say are startup events really for the tech ecosystem um and do they have an impact on how those ecosystems develop or would you say that startup ecosystems are just fine without um events like uh, toa and and web summit and others
1: yeah that's a good question i mean mm-hmm. i would say that um if i thought that we didn't have an impact you know i wouldn't do it and and i would not have mm-hmm. uh, you know, spend uh, so much time and resources on uh, on creating that. Can I prove it? Probably only anecdotally, um, you know, because um, it is difficult to track the performance or the impact of an event like this. I mean, sure, you could look at, you know, South by Southwest, you know, publishes a number of, you know, all the money that was spent doing South by Southwest in travel, in hotels and accommodation. And that's, you know, GDP impact to the city Sure, we mm-hmm. could, you know, do a study like this on, on tour in Berlin and come up with some, you know, figure of, you know, how many millions of additional spending that came into the city from all the, you know, visitors um, that mm. came to tour. That's one number, but it's also very abstract, um, to be honest. And to your question, it's, you know, I think more, you know, like, what is the impact on the actual startup and tech ecosystem? Maybe not so mm-hmm. much on the wider, you know, city GDP and, and ecosystem. And I think um, I can only answer it anecdotally and that already for me is inspiring in many ways. So often people come to me and they, you know, I mean, I give you only real world examples now, you know, one person comes to me and says, I can't believe when I saw the talk from the Ethereum co-founder Gavin Woods uh, before they had even launched Ethereum, I started buying it immediately. It came out and basically now I'm rich and I'm almost Mm -hmm. semi-retired, you know, thanks to Tor. Thank you. And, I get a hug. Um, mm-hmm. Another person will say, um, I met my co-founder and without Tua, I would have not met her. And I'm so grateful mm-hmm. for that. Others, you know, meet an investor. So it's anecdotally. Um, and sure, we want to, of course, have uh, the biggest possible impact. But. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is hard to really measure. But these anecdotes um, are also for me and for the team. I think a big fuel to put a lot, lot of energy in it. And there's this saying that we we uh, like a tour, it's by an artist called Sarah Nu, I think, where she says, if you uh, only inspire one person, you already have changed the world, you know. Mm-hmm. And and that's kind of how how I think we also see it. Um, It's just events have that, you know, type of, you know, magical experience that is very difficult to engineer always for everybody, right? Mm -hmm. If we have, you know, 1,000 people in a room listening to a talk, you know, who knows how many of those are on their phone because they're not that interested Others are tired and, you know, it's the last talk of the day and they can't concentrate anymore. But then there's Mm -hmm. some that are really touched by the talk and that may never forget their talk in their entire life, right? Mm -hmm. And that may actually um, have a big impact into their lives, into how they make decisions. And Mm -hmm. it's just hard to measure, but I think events uh, certainly create that type of magic because I I see it in myself uh, when I go to Mm -hmm. events. Um, that I often uh, have these type of uh, moments, and uh, and that's why I also do think we will uh, definitely come back with physical uh, events in the in the future.
0: Mm-hmm. Understood. Okay. Um... You also co-founded uh, or founded a co-working company called Ahoy Berlin. We were mentioned it, uh, earlier. Mm-hmm. This one was acquired by Knotel uh, or Knottel, which became a paper value unicorn and unfortunately uh, had to shut down during COVID-19. Um, but that's not what I want to discuss with you. I'm just curious because also you have some background in co-working. And so what is your take on the future of work um, and um, where we're heading? Like, um, do you think like this, this remote work, home office um, will um, go on even beyond the pandemic? Is there some fundamental change uh, that has um, been initiated by the pandemic? Or do you think actually not so much will change after things go back to, quote unquote, the old normal?
1: I think um I think we will see a lasting change for sure. Mm-hmm. Um I do think that you know it will not look like the way it's looking you know at the moment or in the height of the pandemic with everybody at home and you know nobody needs an office anymore um but I do think that uh you know companies that want to attract the best talent will have to uh, leave it open to the talent where they will work. Um ultimately mm-hmm. I think this is where we're going to be headed. Um, And some will want to work at an office Um, in my team. There's some that really don't like to work at all and others Mm -hmm. really like working at all. Um, And sometimes it's a question of liking. Sometimes it's even a a question of productivity. For example, Mm -hmm. I am really more productive when I'm not at the office just because I'm a pretty chatty person, um, which Mm -hmm. maybe you realize with the length of my answers, (laughs) <laughs> um, so if I go to the office, uh, you know, I, I, get distracted a lot and I, you know, talk with the team a lot and often I, it's the end of the day and I'm like, oh my God, I, I haven't really done any real work. Like I have to go back to my mm-hmm. laptop, like there's all these emails, et cetera. So, you know, and at home I can totally concentrate and, and just churn out work. So for me, probably a combination would be perfect, you know, two days mm-hmm. a week in the office, three days uh, at home or vice versa. Um, and I think that's the type of flexibility that um is lasting um for really all the big companies, maybe except for banks who have already made announcements, some of them that they want everybody back at the office but I think mm-hmm. um for you know tech companies specifically, but I think also more and more of the traditional companies will approach this. Um, as very flexible because also again similar to what we do with club your pool becomes much larger also right the talent mm-hmm. pool I mean Silicon Valley you know Berlin I'm sure we will see similar issues around you know finding good talent as we have more and more large companies um, that are yeah. soaking up all the talent so it's also just you know the sensible thing to do to uh, look for people all across the world um, who can work uh, remotely mm-hmm
0: Makes sense. Cool. And then you're also a an, uh, business angel um, and investing in early stage companies. And I read online somewhere recently that you're currently raising your first fund. Um, what kind of startups are you most excited about these days? And how is the fundraising process going?
1: Yeah, it's. I mean, I, it's, it's, I don't have like a very narrow thesis for the type of companies um, I invest. Um, mm-hmm. It's pretty broad. It's it's really like I look at companies that I think, you know, will make the world better in, in some form or another. And that sounds very broad and kind of cliche and stereotypical. Um, and you could say that, you know, most companies do, sure. But I think some have it more close to the mission of their company than others. Um, mm-hmm. And those are the companies that I get most excited about, right? Um, and, you know, then you have all the other kind of investor Things that you, of course, look at, like how big is the potential market size and, uh, you know, how's the team, which is obviously super important. Um, But, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I've only done a few investments now and I've done it totally without a thesis. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then uh, if you look at the type of companies that it it started to look like, okay, there's actually quite a lot of, you know, companies in the education space. And I think it's just natural for me. I'm just drawn to these type of businesses. Um, I think it's also an industry that now is finally ripe for disruption. One of the Mm -hmm. last, right? We're seeing healthcare now. We're seeing, you know, fintech became was earlier than than healthcare um, and education hasn't really been as disrupted as these other you know industries uh, that that were affected by technology first but i think it's an interesting space and in terms of fund raising um, i'm just starting it's going to be an angelist fund so um, mm-hmm. it's something you know where um, basically i can make use of the type of opportunities that i see Um, Mm -hmm. which are, you know, passing through kind of the tour network Um, and for LPs, people investing in the fund, um, just being able to access those opportunities um, through a fund that is entirely managed in terms of back office and administration by technology, by the Angelus platform. Mm -hmm. makes sense
0: and for all the impact driven or edutech startup founders uh, who are currently listening and would like to get your attention as potential investor what's what's the best way to reach you um how can they get your um, attention
1: uh nico niko at toa.berlin perfect okay well
0: thank you so much for your time nico it was great talking to you thanks for joining us
1: thank you cool